Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today is another episode of Craving More, my new subscription. And uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to be talking about doing a review of an article uh, regarding M. Rada, who's a famous model. Uh, she wrote, there was an article written about her regarding her talking about not wanting to be a pick me girl anymore. And then she also has a podcast and I'm going to review an episode of her podcast, which is called High Low. And it's all about um, why aren't women allowed to wrinkle? course that's right up my alley so I'll do that in a few minutes first I just wanted to give a quick personal update so I just got back from a red light sauna or a sorry infrared sauna session which was really nice it's Thursday today's like my you know day off from my side hustle job and I've just been doing a lot of like stuff for my cannabis company today, just trying to get the next steps of this project in Massachusetts set up. So um, trying not to have a mental breakdown <laughs> because I'm dealing with like construction and steel posts and fencing and chicken wire and sturdy structures. And this is so not my wheelhouse. This is like the last thing I want to be dealing with right now. Uh, yeah. So this is, you know, I just wanted to cry today. I'm like dealing with all the stuff that I have no knowledge about. And I'm just like, I just wanted to quit and cry. I didn't do either. Kept it together. Just kept pushing forward. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll go right. Maybe it'll be a complete disaster. We shall see. So keep you updated. I booked a flight for to go to Massachusetts on Sunday to buy a car, but I think they're going to work out a situation where I can buy it remotely. So I think they're going to overnight me the paperwork and allow me to wire the money over. So that's really lovely of them to do. The guys at this Hyundai dealership have been the best. So that's been, that's been nice. So there's been good things and bad things today. I woke up craving, well, I woke up and it made my healthy protein shake, which I love, but I was about to go to my sauna session and I was just hangry. I was like starving. I needed, I needed something substantial. So I made myself a half a bagel with an egg. So I'm feeling a lot better. I am having a drink. I'm having one drink, <laughs> a truly, uh, truly vodka, which is new and it's pretty good. Um, so, but it's been a pretty healthy week. I mean, I, you know, coming off of the Super Bowl, we have a ton of nachos and chips and, you know, just all the taco fixings left. So at night when I get out of work, you know, around 9 p.m., I've been, you know, snacking on some of the Tostito chips and salsa. So that's been, that's been fine. I haven't really been eating a lot during the day. So I've been having soup and just whatever I can find around the house. Nothing extremely satisfying. I still have one purple carrot meal left. Uh, I made that, you know, that veggie burger rice dish the other day and it was okay. I'm just, I'm glad that I'm not getting purple carrot anymore. But, but we went to, so last weekend we went to the Waste Management Open and we went and we hosted a Super Bowl party. I am happy to report because... You know, all of you that listened to last week's episode knew that I 
you know, the first, you know, day drinking back from my dry January was a complete disaster. Uh, So luckily at the Waste Management Open, I actually managed to not get sick. I made sure that morning to eat some Greek yogurt with some fruit and some nuts. So I had, you know, I had my stomach was coated with something. And then, and then I, you know, I had, I had, let's, let's see, I brought a little fireball in my, like I hit a little, little nip of fireball and I had that and I had a couple other, let me say, I think I had like maybe three or four drinks total and I, you know, and I ate a good amount. So, so that was fine. I was actually, and it was cause it was spread out throughout the, throughout the entire day. I was doing a lot of walking and, you know, it wasn't, I think the other night, the problem was it was like so much in a very short period of time, plus the cannabis. And this time I made sure not to use any cannabis. I just wanted to feel good all day. And so I did. I I stayed away from the cannabis because that, you know, increases the intoxication. And I managed to just like have a pretty moderate amount. I was I was pleased with myself. We went to out to eat after and it was good. It was it was it was good. I woke up on Sunday feeling pretty good, like not not dreading the fact that we had agreed to host a Super Bowl party. I actually woke up pretty motivated, went and bought the rest of the, you know, guacamole and some of the stuff that we needed for the day and did a little bit of cooking. My my two friends that were coming are vegetarian, so I wanted to make some black beans for them so they had something to fill their tacos with. Uh, one of them didn't end up coming, but I had another girl there that ate the beans. So I was happy because I don't, I don't like beans, but I wanted to make something for my vegetarian friends besides just having cheese there for them. So, so the black beans actually came out good. I sauteed some garlic, some onions, threw in the black beans. This recipe that I followed called for the entire can of black beans, not rinsed, which I don't know. It felt a little bit weird to just dump the whole can in without rinsing them, but whatever. I followed the recipe. People said they were good. So that was, that was good. Uh, I put some cilantro in there and a little bit of olive oil to saute the garlic and onion. And yeah, and that's, so it was really easy. Uh, we made a bunch of taco meat. Uh, my friend Brandy, her mom made homemade queso with, uh, some green chili in it, which was really good. And yeah, and, and, you know, it was fun. It was a great game. I don't know if anybody watched the Super Bowl, but it was, it was a really good game. So, so that was fun. So we had people over. I definitely had some drinks that day, but again, I was eating a lot. So yeah, I I did wake up Monday. I wasn't like crazy hungover, but I was just off. Like if I, if I drink the next day, I'm definitely, you know, if I have more than like one or two. If I have three or four, which I definitely did both Saturday and Sunday, I feel it. I'm just, I'm not as communicative. Words don't come out as easily. And so on that Monday, I had a terrible day at my side hustle job. I just did, I just did a terrible job. I just did not do it. You know, I was off. I could feel it. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, you move on, you have a bad day, you have a better day the next day. So the next day, Tuesday was a much, much better day. So it's, it's, it definitely has been interesting to really look at how alcohol has been affecting me, how it affects me negatively, you know, and times that I'm able to incorporate it in a way that's moderate and I feel, I feel good. But, um, so we'll see tomorrow. I'm just going to have this one drink today. 
and I'm hoping it doesn't affect me too poorly tomorrow because I want to have a good day at work tomorrow. And um, so we'll see. So that was that. Um, and, and then I know I mentioned in my last podcast that I had this situation happening with somebody from my past. Now, I didn't want to be super open about it on the open forum podcast that I do. I want to talk a little bit more about it today. Um, I mean, this week has been so crazy that I haven't really had time to dwell on it, which I think has been a blessing. Uh, I meant to to reach out to the health department because the health department is what regulates the cannabis industry in most states. So here in Arizona, where our our main business is, you know, we are the license that we work under. Um, you know, they, everybody reports to the health department, the health department comes in for inspections and they can revoke your license. Now we are not the license holder here. I mean, licenses in Arizona are literally worth like $20 million. We applied for some, we lost a lot of money applying, but it's a lottery. So we lost the lottery. Now in Massachusetts, that's why that market is so important. We will be the license holder there. Um, That's why I'm dealing with so many difficult things. But here we're not the license holder. We are the bitch of the license holder. Basically, we have to like, you know, go and try to get try to get partnerships. And and ultimately they can they can kick us out. And that's what's happened a couple times here. You know, the whole Curaleaf debacle debacle. That's the name of the company that screwed us over. Curaleaf. I'll tell I'll tell our uh, my subscribers um, Cureleaf is the largest cannabis conglomerate in the world, and they broke our contract. They're the ones that kicked us out. Now this other operator, Nirvana, you know, apparently we're not making enough money for them, so they want to kick us out and replace us with somebody else. So now we're moving to another license, and hopefully, hopefully they're not assholes because most of the people that are license holders that we've worked with are complete assholes. So hopefully, uh, we have a better partnership coming up soon. But again. I always knew that we could go out of business here because we're not in control of our destiny, not being the license holder in this state. Um, you know, in Boston and Massachusetts, we will be. So we'll control our destiny a little bit more there, a lot more. But here, excuse me. So, so here we are. So I had this guy that worked for me. I'm not going to say his name, but I had this guy. Now, this whole topic made me think about, you know, how many times in our lives, and all of you can think about this yourself, how many times in our lives are we near, are we friends with, are we dating, are we married to, are we working with a dangerous person? Like how many times do you think you've been around a seriously like psychopathic, sociopathic crazy person that maybe hides it well, but ultimately they are hiding their, their psycho psychopath tendencies. Uh, so, and I've dated some of them, right? Like I'll tell the, I'll tell those stories later, like down the line. I don't want to get into them now. I've dated a couple of people that, you know, were definitely had some of those tendencies, it seems, but, uh, and 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 I started thinking about this too because of the whole and I, I don't know if any of you live in Massachusetts, but there's a co this woman in Cohasset that was recently murdered by allegedly murdered by her husband. And 
And this is a woman, she's beautiful. Like if you look up the story, you know, they had kids together. This guy was already being looked at by the FBI for committing fraud with like selling uh, like knockoff paintings, like Andy Warhol knockoffs or something. And so, and and if you look at this, I've been following this story because it's so close to where I'm from. And Cohasset is obviously a very upscale, you know, small town in Massachusetts that, you know, you don't think about these things happening there. But, and this woman that was murdered, and, and I say allegedly, but they, I mean, they've arrested this guy because there's so much proof. I mean, there's DNA evidence. There's the stuff that he was Googling online, like, how do I get rid of a body? Um, how long does it take for hair to decompose? Like all these really uh, nefarious Google searches, which, I mean, show that he was trying to get rid of his wife's body. Uh, and... So, but she, and, and if you look at some of the, like, I've been reading a lot of the articles and she, she had called the police on him before they were married, probably when they were just dating, she did call the police on him in the way in the past, they did find this evidence. And you think about, she married him. So she married him after that. So something that he did somewhere along their journey, somewhere in their relationship, he showed his true colors. He showed that he's a scary guy that potentially could be dangerous because why would she call the cops if if that was the case, if if he he didn't show, you know, scary tendencies. So her, if she had listened to her gut, she would have she would have left, you know, she would have gotten out of it, whatever. I mean, and and again, it's not easy to extract yourself from situations like that. I know. Uh, and I'm not saying that she, you know, that she was wrong. It's just, it's, it's a hard, difficult situation for a woman to be in. And a lot of us, a lot, especially women, I think, cause we're taught to be nice. We're taught to be people pleasers. I think a lot of women ignore their gut instinct. Like Dr. Wider told the story on, on the Taylor Strucker show where her friend, she was going into this elevator and she saw this creepy looking guy in there and she wanted to wait for the next one. She didn't want to get in there with him, but she wanted to be polite. She didn't want to be rude and be perceived as being rude and mean. So she got in there and guess what? He fucking raped her. So this is why, you know, we got to listen to our gut. We've got to pay attention to these signals. And so, but, but it's hard. It's so hard to extract yourself from a relationship that you've started. And that can be a romantic relationship. That can be a work relationship. So, so I had hired this guy and this is when, I mean, we, when we started, when we launched here in Arizona, we were like running on fumes. We were almost out of money. I mean, we were down to like nothing. And I came out here, I got an Airbnb for three months, and I was the only delivery driver. I set up the operations, was the only delivery driver, was out there delivering to the entire valley until we could start generating cash and we could hire somebody. So I interviewed a couple people. I interviewed a, a really nice girl and I interviewed a, a, a guy, this guy that I'm about to talk about. I ended up hiring the girl first. I knew, and I knew that I would hire, probably hire the guy if he was still interested at the time. I just, I, my instinct told me, go with this girl first. So I did. I went with this girl first and I let this guy know that, Hey, I'm going to, I still, you know, like your, like what you offer. Like I, I like your resume and I will reach out when we have another opening. 
And so, so the girl ended up not working out long-term, but I did end up needing more help. So I hired her, she started, and then I hired this guy. And this guy was really good. Like he was great at his job. He was, you know, he, he did a lot of things that helped me at the time. I was, I was spread very thin, you know, and I, I needed help. And so the girl ended up not working out long-term. She ended up leaving the company and he, this, this guy ended up becoming really an integral part of our operation here because he was, he did have a lot of, I relied on him a lot. Like he was able to take on a lot of stuff I needed him to do. And I, and I was, I felt at first I felt really lucky to have him and we worked well together. Like he could take my, my heated energy sometimes when things would go wrong. And he, we gave each other, like I gave him a lot of autonomy. And as we grew, you know, you would see, I would see situations that would arise. He would tell me stories like about people that had wronged him and what he had done in return. Like he would tell me about people he had sued and how he had tortured them and how he had won and how they had to pay him double. Like all these, like, all of these situations that he he would like terrorize a person that had like that he perceived had wronged him and he always was he he always won he would take them to court he would you know figure out a way to screw them over and i was like oh i hope and i would i would say to him i would be like oh i hope i never get on your bad side and i knew it internally i knew it i'm like okay, like if this goes bad someday, this is not going to be good for us, for me, for my company. And, and as he grew, so he had this personality that you either loved him or you absolutely hated his guts. He drove many people out of my company. Like there were people that just could not tolerate working with him because he always had to be right. And the, and the busier we got and the more we grew, he would, he had so much, he really had power in our company because like, I remember there was this time there was these, there's very high value customers and they were high value to our company because they would spend a lot of money, but they weren't good tippers and, and not a lot. And, and the, the, our drivers would like kind of argue about who was going to deliver to them because they didn't like, nobody liked to go way out there to deliver to these people because they didn't tip. But at the end of the day, like we're paying you to do a job and, and tipping is optional. So you still need to do this job. Well, this guy kind of like rallied the drivers together and they they all got to this point where they just refused to deliver to this pay, to these people because they had said, oh, well, they're doing this wrong and we're just nobody will deliver to them anymore. And I basically was forced <laughs> to to like go with what my employees were saying about this very valuable customer. And it was what I, I realized then I'm like, okay, this guy has way too much power here and he's wielding it against me as the owner of the company. And so, and then there were just these other red flags. Like I, I knew he was, he was doing things that I could tell were not right. Like I, I had this feeling that he was stealing from us. And, and I would have this, this woman that he ended up getting to a really bad argument with. Um, I, I, I valued her, but the way she was handling it was very unprofessional. And I knew 
at this point, as we continue to go, he was fighting with so many people. There was this patient he had gotten into a fight with, and he put me on speaker so I could hear this interaction. He had actually tape recorded it, and he played it back to me as if he thought he thought he was right in this situation. And when I listened to the tape, I said, I said, dude, and let's pretend his name's Eric. I said, Eric, you are in the wrong here. I said, I said, he's this patient was asking you to leave and you were you were obstinate with him and you were fighting with him and you were it, it was it was so bad and I said this is this is you know and I I, I basically said you're never gonna see this patient again I said but I said this can never happen again I said this is a really poor reflection on us as an organization I said this is an older gentleman who yeah is he is he perfect in the way he acted towards you no but we have the responsibility to do right by our customers and to act as professionals. And this, what you just recorded and sent to me is absolutely wrong. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but Eric, it is wrong what you did. So, so anyway, things like that just kept progressing. And I'll never forget when this girl was on her way out, she's like, and he's stealing from you and you don't even know, and he's doing this and he... So I said, okay, let me look into this a little bit. So I started doing some research. And turns out that people had actually seen him steal. And and so, and it just, it was just getting worse and worse. So we ended up parting ways with him. And, um, and I basically said, look, we're not going to press charges against you and and the proof that we have that you've been stealing. Because it was also like we could tell digitally from the transactions that he had that he had been stealing. And so so anyway, so we, we ended up going back and forth with our attorneys. And he finally ended up, we finally, I, anyway, it's, it's, it's a really long, complicated story, but, but. It seemed that we had reached at least a resolution through our attorneys. And, uh, but of course, Matt, this guy, uh, sorry, Eric, um, he, he, of course, is a bitter Betty. And like all the other people that he wanted to get back at, he, he sent in a false uh, report to the health department, and apparently that report is what uh, got Cureleaf inspected that time, and and Cureleaf did end up. Now Cureleaf is obviously the people, the organization that shut us down. I mean, ultimately they chose to do that, but it was based. I believe part of it was because of this complaint that was sent into the health department. And they even said to us, they they thought that it was it was a disgruntled employee that had done that. And I don't know what proof they had of that because Cureleaf really didn't communicate well with us either. But but that that's what they thought. And then and then and then I get this anonymous DM, an anonymous email from this woman who was basically like, I I knew this person and I don't trust them. And you need to know this is what he's saying to people. He's bragging about how he got you shut down. And he, you just need to know this. And, you know, and, and you know, this person has a lot of enemies out there too. There's a lot of people that don't like him. 
And so, you know, so I was, I was grateful to get this information. And so, you know, we're doing our own investigation internally to see if we can get some proof because we absolutely p- will press charges. Um, but, you know, he knows that we serve patients. He knows our business model. So if he's feeling good about that, great. Well, hopefully karma will get him and pay him back because that is truly, truly evil to affect people you know, patient health care, which is, you know, really what we do. We support patients and their health care through our cannabis company. And he knows it. He is the one that he delivered to many of the nursing homes that we serve. So anyway, it is what it is. And I do eventually want to at least make the health department aware of the situation so that if and when we get more reports, because just recently, we were just uh, suddenly the health department is inspecting again out of the blue. And usually we'll have a heads up. But uh, and so I just wonder, is that is, is he filing another complaint? I don't know. I don't know. I feel attacked. I am. But I, I'm too busy right now to, to, to spend too much time thinking about it. So eventually I will at least give the health department a heads up because I do not want this next license we're working with to get affected. So, so we'll see. All right. So now let's get into my review of Emrata's High Low, her new podcast, and this article that was written about her talking about being a pick me girl. So for those of you that are not familiar with who Emrata is, Emrata is a famous model. She's gorgeous by most people's standards. Uh, she was in that Robin Thicke video that, um, and she was the one that was dance. I think there was another girl, but she was, she was like the girl that got the most attention that was buck naked, dancing around completely naked, like nothing on. And she's got this teeny, 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 tiny, modely body, but she's also curvy. She's got these perfect, perfect boobs, like the question is, is has she had implants? I don't think she has. I mean, some people are trying to say that she has, but I think, I think it's natural. Um, you know, she's got a little bum. She's, you know, she's, she's got that curvy, but very thin. Now her stomach is like insanely, like she's got this, she's got this interesting, like stomach. It's almost like, it's almost like, um, it's like a, it's like indented. It's, it's, she's so thin that like, if you look at her stomach, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's shaped in a way where you can see the abs, but they're almost like so pronounced that, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a different look, but it's obviously like flat, muscular toned, tight, um, ab area. Anyway, um, so, so she was in that Robin Thicke video. Now she wrote a book where she exposed the fact that he just came up to her on the music video set. He was like messed up on drugs and alcohol and he just grabbed her breasts like out of the blue. And she was talking about how she was just so shocked and ashamed and didn't really know how to handle it. And the director came out and, and was like, whoa, 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 like freaking out, trying to protect her. But I mean, obviously she was too late because that happened. But I'm sure as a model, she was, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure a lot of beautiful models deal with a lot of just bullshit. And so, so Emrata, that really got her on the map. And 
Since then, she's written a book. She's really famous for who she dates. Like she, so she went through a divorce. She was married to this guy, like this, I forget his name is like this bear guy. And supposedly he's like a cokehead, like does a lot of drugs. And he's, I don't know. I don't think he's that attractive. He's like this blonde, curly haired guy with like big lips. I don't know. <laughs> For me, I don't, I definitely not my type. I do not think he's attractive at all. I think he has a lot of money probably because he sells drugs. That's allegedly, I really have no idea, but that's the word on the street. So he ended up cheating on her. What an idiot. We did. I did hear that when they were together, that he was a wicked like player. Um, but you know, she's, she ended up marrying him. He cheated on her. And here's the cool thing about her. Like a lot of women I think are threatened by her because she is so beautiful. Um, but here's what I like about her. She came out, um, defending, she's very defending of women and, so I, that whole, I don't know if all of you heard about uh, when that Maroon 5, Adam, what's his name? That Maroon 5 singer, when he, he didn't cheat on Bahati Prinsloo, his model wife. He ended up, he was like texting with these Instagram models and texting inappropriately. Now, I personally think that's a form of cheating. It's like emotional cheating. I would, of course, not like my man to be doing that. Now, if I had children with a husband and he was doing that and he hadn't actually physically cheated, would I, would I, would I try to forgive him and get over it and try to move forward with him? Maybe. Um, I think when you have children with somebody, it is a whole different ball game. And I do understand women that that do want to forgive and do want to try to work it out with their partner. There's no judgment here for for women that have been cheated on who want to work it out with their partner. Um. What I liked about what Emrata was saying is she was she was defending the women. She's like, look, there's this guy, this Adam Levine, that's his name. Adam Levine is this older, like this guy in his 40s who's famous and wealthy, and he's approaching Instagram models. And of course, they're going to banter back with him. Like the power structure is way in favor of the man. And of course, these women are going to be susceptible to, for falling on that. And and what I admired about that is despite the fact that she had just been cheated on, she was still defending the other woman. And, and I think that's very admirable. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever been the other woman. It doesn't feel good. There was one point I remember it was a summer when I went to help my friend, Kathy, who is living in Burlington, Vermont. She had this, she had this house, this room in this big house she was renting open. And I was like, oh, I'll come stay with you and, and pay the rent for that room and and help you out and we can just have fun for the summer. So um, I think I actually only went for like maybe a month and a half. And um, and we did. We had a blast. We partied. We drank lots of dark beer. We smoked a lot of cannabis. I had this guy that I had like met on spring break randomly in the Bahamas come meet me for a night. It was so fun. Uh, and... And what was my point? Oh, there was this guy that that was in their friend group. And he was like flirting with me like crazy. And I wasn't that attracted to him, to be honest. But I think I just liked the attention. And I, I think I, I, no, I didn't think. I did know that he was involved with somebody. I did know that he had a girlfriend. And 
but he we did hook up one night we did I, I don't, we didn't definitely didn't have sex but we we like i don't know we made out we hooked up and his like so the friend group that i was hanging out with it was my friend kathy's friend group i'll never forget they i they looked down on me for doing that like they knew i knew that he was involved with somebody and i think they lost respect for me for making out with this guy and I was young and I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to party and do my thing. But I'll never forget how I felt being that other woman and being, being like, like a homewrecker kind of, I don't know. I, I, and it was really the, their judgment that made me reflect on my actions and think, huh, oh, that's, that really wasn't cool. That's not the person I want to be. And I, I, that was the only time I ever did that. I don't think I ever, I think I learned from that and never did it again. Um, and so, so I, so that's why, again, I admire M. Rada for, for being open to seeing the other woman's perspective in that situation. So anyway, so that's who M. Rada is. Uh, she, now there was, so for those of you that follow Not Skinny, Not Fat, um, She's also, she kind of got into it with uh, Amanda Hirsch. So Emrata also, there's a little bit of controversy with this. So she, after she had a baby, because Emrata did have a baby with her ex-husband, she posted this picture, this super hot, like thirst trap, like scantily clad picture. And she wrote, uh, like, uh, please excuse the docketot. Now, I'm not a parent, so I would have no idea what a DACA tot was until Amanda Hirsch on Not Skinny, Not Fat talked about it. And she's like, oh, she's like, Emrata wants us to think, wants us to know that she just had a baby. And even though she just had a baby, she is super tiny and hot still, and she wants us all to know it. That's why she's saying, please excuse the DACA talk. She wants us to know, no, this is not a picture from the past. This is now. I have a baby. And yes, I look this good, right? Like a week after having this baby. And look, there are some women that just bounce right back. And then there's some women that still look pregnant after they have their baby, right? Every woman is different in how they carry and how they lose weight or how they look after pregnancy, but what Amanda Hirsch was commenting on was why you got to do that? Like, why do you have to point out to to the all the rest of the women in the world that probably feel bad about their bodies after having a baby that, oh, like, let me highlight the fact that I just had a baby and I'm posting a thirst trap. So Amanda did comment on that. And then, and then Emrata went on Howard Stern and Howard Stern was like, wow, like you look so hot after you just bounced right back, didn't you? And she's like, yeah, she's like, you know, and I'm getting a lot of like hate on it. Like all these other women, like this, this one woman who has a small following, um, you know, she really came at me. So Amanda Hirsch, so she, so Emrata was basically like calling out Amanda Hirsch on Howard Stern for being like, a small following, like she doesn't matter to me and all these women are attacking me. And meanwhile, Amanda Hirsch has like almost a million followers and Emrata has millions, plural. So she does have a much bigger following than Amanda Hirsch, but I mean, that's still, Amanda Hirsch's following is is still big and, and she's a very, she's very successful. She's an influencer. 
So Amanda Hirsch got upset, you know, a little bit butthurt by that and was kind of calling her out for, you know, calling her out on Howard Stern. She didn't mention her by name, but, um, but anyway, so, so that was interesting. It's kind of like, you know, why, like, you don't have to prove that to, to America that you look like that after having a baby, but whatever, to each his own. So that was, that was, that was just a notable story I just wanted to mention. Um, and, and I think it, it just points out that I think, you know, obviously Emirata, she's a model. So she is paid. She's made her money. She's made her whole career based on what she looks like, right? Like based on her hot body, based on her hot face. So, so I think, you know, I think that's why probably she had a tendency to be like, I bounced right back. Look at my body. Like I, and, and posting a thirst trap, scantily clad. I mean, that, that's natural for her because she is a model. So whether she had that intent or not, I mean, obviously us regular people who are not models, you know, we, we may, might be more sensitive to things like that. So that was what Amanda was pointing out. Anyway, I think a lot of women want to hate Emrata, right? <laughs> they want to hate her because she's so hot. And because and because of things like that, right? That whole Amanda Hirsch story. Amanda Hirsch is much more relatable than Emrata to the general public. Uh, but uh, but I will say Emrata's not an idiot. You know, she is smart. She she does she does speak intelligently. Um, I haven't read her book myself. I, I guess it's like a series of essays. Um, I haven't read it, but I have heard somebody that I trust read it and they gave it a good review. And this is an intelligent person that I follow. I can't remember who it was, but I do remember being like, oh, okay, if that person says it, then it's probably valid. Uh, but I think, so when I listened though to her podcast and to, here's the thing. I like the topic she brings up on her podcast. I think you know, I think that she thinks she's a little bit more self-aware than she is, but I also think that that comes with age. I think she has reached a certain level of self-awareness because she is in her 30s and she is reflecting on some some very interesting and important topics for women. Um, but anyway, I, I coming from a 40 plus year old, you know, I'm looking at her comments and, you know, analyzing them. So, so let's get into it. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was her... So there was an article written, and, and you can see her talking about this on lots of clips, about being a pick-me girl. Okay, so so in this, so I'm actually going to read some of this article. So this is, a, this is an article from Jezebel.com, a very prestigious website. So in an interview with Harper's Bazaar, published Thursday, Radikowski acknowledged her split from Sebastian Bear McClard. Okay, so that's that guy's name. Um, and the emotional roller coaster it took her on, and also how it's changed her entire outlook on dating and partnership. Namely, she's determined to no longer be a pick-me girl. Her words, not mine. Radikowski admitted to Harper's Bazaar writer uh, Thessaly LaForce that she once prioritized being liked and desired by men over figuring out what she actually liked and desired in prospective partners. When she was younger, the need for male approval resulted in her jumping from one relationship to the next, a decision she said she also made, frustratingly enough, to protect herself from the predatory men in the modeling industry. Uh, she said, 
it's so deeply sad to know how much more likely some men are to respect boundaries when they see a woman as belonging, quote unquote, to another man. Uh, Radikowski said she's only now discovering that dating can be enjoyable and reevaluating her approach. To use the TikTok phrase, I was a bit of a pick-me girl in the sense that I wasn't very good at deciding what I liked. Uh, she said, I really wanted to be chosen. It was hard for me to go on a date with someone and think about how much I did or didn't like them. She continued, I would have been thinking about how they were perceiving me, what it meant, what they wanted from me, what it meant about my self-worth. I don't have that anymore. So now it's really fun to go to dinner with somebody and be like, cool, I really enjoy these parts of them. I really didn't enjoy these other parts. As Radikowski pointed out, the phrase pick me is a commonplace on TikTok and Twitter as a derogatory shorthand for, for women who go along with what men say and do so for status and acceptance. Male approval can certainly have extremely conditional perks, but Radikowski is apparently no longer interested in them. I repeat, good for her. So that was the article. And I actually think that this is this is very interesting. Taylor Strecker talked about this and, and related to this. She's like, oh, that's me. She's like, I didn't pick guys. I would like guys that liked me. So I would just wait for a guy to like me. And then I'd be like, okay, I like you too. Now, I, you know, when I reflect back, even from a very young age, I do remember being in like grade school and wanting a lot of guys to like me, wanting male attention, wanting, like, I remember, I think I was in like, I forget what grade I was in. I was, it was literally before I even got to sixth grade that I was like, oh, these seven boys like me. It was, it was like a game that I would like rack up, like the guys that like were paying attention to me. It was so stupid. I'm like, I, I, I feel like I must've gotten some of that from, you know, people in my life and, and society, but Anyway, I do remember that being important to me. I was kind of, I called it being boy crazy. I was very boy crazy when I was young. And, you know, I do, I do think that, I mean, who was it? Was it, was it Sex in the City that, that talked about how it's, it's great for a girl to, to, it's the ideal for a woman is to be with a man that loves her a little bit more than she loves him, Right. Find, a, you know, the, the ideal partner for a girl is like the, the girl should be the prize to be won, right? The, the more attractive one, the, um, you know, the, the man pursuing the woman. Now that's a very old fashioned idea, right? It is. It's very old fashioned because nowadays, of course, it's like women can go after men. Women, you know, we're it's power to the woman and I'm all about that. Uh, but I will say, I mean... You know, when I was on the dating apps, for example, and I would be swiping, I wanted, when I swiped right, I wanted the guy to have matched with me first. And so like Chad, for example, when I met him on Hinge, I swiped and he, and we had matched immediately. And he, he had already swiped left on, or I'm sorry, right on me, meaning he, he wanted to meet me. And I, it just, I, I always did like that when they had already found me on the app and were interested and so, but I don't, the, the part about not really looking at what a guy did for me or what he brought to my life, that, that I don't relate to because I definitely would always, I mean, younger, when I was younger, it was all about, you know, who am I attracted to? 
who, you know, attraction was always first. Um, I always liked athletes. Uh, I, so, but I, I don't know. I do, I do think that it's, it's sad if a woman doesn't think about, you know, the qualities that she wants in a partnership, whether it's, you know, a gay or straight relationship and finds those qualities. So my, my ex-husband, so I had seen him in a picture, my friend Linnell, hi Linnell, she subscribes, uh, my friend Linnell had been partying in Boston and she had brought this picture back and I'm like, Ooh, who's that? He's hot. And it was my ex-husband. And when I, and when I finally went out with her, he was out and I was like, Oh my God, I'm like, I saw a picture of you. And he was like, really? And we just, we were inseparable from like that night on. But he was also very into me. It was like, I felt like I picked him because I like saw a picture of him and I'm like, I pick you. But I wouldn't have continued to be with him if he wasn't a nice guy and he didn't treat me right. And he, um, I don't know. So, but I also think I did go through a period of toxic masculinity relationships. So early in my life, I did a really good job at picking, picking relationships that were good for me. And then I went through a phase where I wanted like a masculine guy, like, and that's, that would enter my, my abusive years. <laughs> and I like want, like, I remember I was out in California at this bar and this guy was like, like, kind of like grabbed me and he's like, Hey, I want to talk to you. And I thought, Oh, like, this is the kind of guy I want. Anyway, that, that was short lived. But anyway, I, so I, I do think like, I'll never forget my fiance, my ex fiance, he, like I met the group of his friends together and I ended up anyway, him and I really like locked eyes and he did ask me out and I, and it was really sexy that the way he asked me out at that time. Um, and so, so I did like that. I, I will say I, I, I would never be with somebody like there are, there are women that will pursue men that aren't into them and will try to get them to like them. That's definitely not me. Like, I will not be with a guy that's not equally or more interested in me than I am with him. But I don't relate to what she says and just being a pick-me girl. Like, ah, oh, pick me, pick me. Like, I, like, it's not about that. Like, I, I, certainly I understand wanting male attention or wanting the, like, whoever you're sexually attracted to wanting their attention. But I think people with good self-esteem, you know, people with good self-esteem, you look at, okay okay, that's great. That initial excitement was there, but then who is this person and, and what do they bring to my life? Uh, so, so I just thought that was interesting that she, and I think it's a, it's an interesting topic. The, the idea of being a pick me girl. Um, and, and I think that, I mean, I think if there's a, a, a power inequality in the relationship, right? If there's a guy that makes all the money and the woman is just his, like, I think there's this whole movement supposedly on TikTok where there's this like return to wanting to go back to the fifties where the woman stays home and takes care of the children and cooks and cleans and, and the man is earning the money. Like there's, there's this whole set apparently on social media of women wanting to revert back to that. And to me, that's fucking insane. Cause I would never want to not have power and money and my own decision-making and all of that. And, and that really can throw things off when the power dynamic is off, especially if you're with a guy that's kind of a jerk about, about 
that type of thing. I mean, look at the whole Andrew Tate movement. Disgusting. So, so anyway, so, so that was an interesting article. And then I decided to listen to her podcast. So her podcast is called High Low. And this topic very much caught my eye. Why aren't women allowed to wrinkle? So it starts out with her talking about her mom and her mom was telling her about when she finally decided to just go gray, right? When she decided to no longer dye her hair and she just let it go gray. And she, her mom was telling her about this decision and she said she remembered that she was walking down the street one day with her gray hair and there were these two like youngish men, not super young, but like, you know, you know, men, but they were, you know, a little bit on the younger side. And she kind of like naturally pulled herself up and straightened her posture. But she realized as she was walking past them, that they didn't even look at her. They didn't notice her. And she thought, wow, she's like, I'm just this invisible old gray haired lady to them. And, and she was like, I wasn't that in the past. And she's just, she, it was, it, she's like, it just stuck with me that I'm suddenly like, you know, and, and Emrata talked about how other women have written about this invisibility that comes with aging. And she's like, why is that? You know, why is there such a double standard? Why do men look more attractive as they age, but women are thought to not look as attractive? And and that's it's it's really interesting to think about that because i never i never thought about this invisibility factor right being you know not having the male gaze the male attention and i mean i just i, I never looked at aging from that perspective i mean i i don't know if i have maybe i have but maybe not specifically thinking about it in this way um i mean i remember when i first got botox and it was because I noticed suddenly like, you know, my skin changing and, and all these crow's feet, especially after I'd been drinking and was dehydrated. And so, and I, I talked about this in the past, how, you know, I, when I was young in my twenties, I was always like, like, why are people so scared of aging? Like age is just a number. Like, why are people so freaked out about it? And I think it comes more like what, you know, as you age and your skin changes and the texture of your hair changes and your body changes, and there's all these things where you start to not look like the self you've known for a long time. And for me, that was, that was it. I'm like, oh, people don't talk to you about the skin sagging and, and the extra fat in these areas or, you know, your eyes drooping or your neck hanging or your jowls starting to fall. Like there's all these things. It's like, it's more like a vanity thing to me at least than anything. And so, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I, I, I do think because of the way I was raised with this like old school mentality of, you know, the Italian masculine guy and, you know, my mom is certainly I was raised with that. And I think my dad had these old fashioned ideas, but my mom was, my mom had a little bit of both, right? Like my mom is someone that wears makeup a lot, you know, and I, I always wanted to wear makeup. And, and even to this day, you know, when I present myself to the public, I mean, there are times I, you know, if I'm running errands, I'll run out without makeup on, but like to this job that I took, um, at events and adventures, like I'll go on. And of course I'm like full face of makeup, 
looking polished. And some of my colleagues there don't do that. Like some of them, you know, they're in their athletic gear. Their hair, hair is just in a bun, like pulled back, no makeup on, like just very not done up. And I remember when I was first struggling, one of the one of the girls made a comment to me. She's like, well, maybe if you didn't like do yourself up so much. And I'm like, well, this is just me. This, this is how I like to present myself to the world. If I'm in a professional setting, I do want to present myself feeling and looking my best. And I... For me, I've always thought of it as, as a little bit of a sign of respect. Like if you're, if you're going to, to a show, to perform somewhere, to speak somewhere, to have a meeting with somebody, I think it's respectful to put a little bit of effort into, into how you're presenting yourself to them. And, and some people might totally disagree with that. That's just how I feel. Uh, and, and so, that was just a total tangent. I, I think I lost my track of thought, but train of thought. But um, so, so I don't know. I, I think I have both sides from my family where my mom was this like career woman who, you know, educated herself and worked really hard and, and grew in her life, but also cared about her looks and cared about, you know, I do think some of my perfectionistic tendencies come from my mom wanting to be perfect, wanting to please everybody. And I think a lot of us women were raised to be people pleasers. We're raised to be nice to everybody, to put our best foot forward, to to look pretty, right? And 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 the sad thing about that is we base our worth a lot of times in the way we look. So so Oh, so it's just this this confusing thing. It's like, yes, we as women, we should have the power to not want to do that, to to still have the same success and have the same and and be given the same respect in society if we're not primped and and polished and all that all that stuff. But I internally have a desire to want to present myself that way. So I don't know. It's very confusing in internally, but um, and I think. And again, like, you know, when I think probably when I heard my dad talk about women, remember that comment that I, I talked to, that he made that time about that Vegas showgirl when I, I like, he, she was wearing this like sparkly, like bikini type outfit. I was like, I want one of those. And he was like, what are you going to put in it? As if I was completely flat chested and should be ashamed of that. And and again, I think my dad would make comments like that. I think about women, about society, about, I mean, he would make racist comments. He would make sexist and misogynistic comments. And it's, it's, it's impossible to be raised around some of that without internalizing some of it, right? Like oppressed people, a lot of times internalize their oppressor's opinions. I think that happens to a lot of people. So so I think while intellectually I want to rage against the machine in certain areas like that, there's also my my gut instinct to want to abide by those, you know, those rules of society. So so anyway, I think that and I think because I was always boy crazy and wanting male attention, I think I did always want to put forth what would get me that male attention. So I think that was the other piece of it. So when I when I do think about this idea of invisibility as we age, maybe that is partly why I do the Botox and I do the fillers and I 
I want to, I want to be attractive to my own standards, which align with some societies a lot of times. I mean, I'm not proud of that, but I am very ingrained in what society believes is attractive. I, I am. I mean, I'm going to admit that. I do think that that a lot of other types can be beautiful too, but but I you know I'm susceptible susceptible to it just like other people are. So so anyway, so I think that I think that might play a little bit into it. Um, I think that in general, you know, I I don't want jowls. I don't want like I do want to tighten my neck. You know, so. I don't want to necessarily, like, I think there is an instinct to want to, for me anyway, to want to be treated the best I can be by society, right? Who doesn't want that? Should I have to look like perfect and polished to do that? No, I shouldn't. But that is the society we live in, unfortunately. So, so then she continued to talk about how, you know, there's this whole idea of like the silver fox. Like why can men wrinkle and age and become the silver fox sexy type, but women can't, right? Like why is that? It has to be what we've been taught and what we what has been ingrained into our psyche. To, to think that an older man is attractive, but an older woman with, like an older man with no makeup, right? Like Richard Gere, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, you know, all these older guys, Leonardo DiCaprio, like they're older. They're in their 40s, 50s, right? 60s. But we still think of them as sexy. We still think of them as hot, right? But do we think the same of women in that same ad age bracket, right? Do we think a woman that has gone gray and doesn't do Botox and doesn't do these things, do we think of her as a silver fox? No. And is that because, you know, it's, it's, it, is it, it has to be because of this lens that we look through, that society has trained us to look through. I mean, I, I think that that's got to be part of it, right? So Emily, or sorry, Emrata referenced this Susan Sontag, Sontag, who's a writer who referenced, who referenced a lot of this stuff. Like, why, why are scars on men hot? Like rougher skin on men. Why is that attractive on a man? But we think women have to have this like perfect, like flawless skin that's plump and soft, right? It's it's why for women to do they like the 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 ability to stay looking youthful. Why is that what we chase? You know, when men can age and have wrinkles and look great. It's just it's so unfair. Um she referenced that OKCupid okay data says that men are most attracted to 20-year-olds. And Emrata was like, that makes me want to vomit. So she's 31. So in this, and I'll, let, me, let me get through it and I'll talk about it in a second. So she, she mentioned that Amy Schumer and Ju, Julia Louis-Dreyfus did this uh, sketch where they joked about their last fuckable day. As in, like, you know, women, especially, like, you know, when, when as we age, as we have children, like, you know, that, like, men will talk about how women lose their fuckability. And, and, and in the movies, you see, you know, the people that are portraying moms are, like, 20 and 30-year-olds. The media perpetuates this youth-obsessed culture. Emrata called it pedophilic. Uh, a, a pedophilic culture where we need younger and younger. 
She's like, even when she turned 30, people were like, are you okay? Like, how are you handling that? She's like, uh, I'm 30. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. And she said, what Susan Sontag ta- gets to in this essay is that things associated with man, with manliness, uh, is, you know, age, like age is associated with, I'm sorry, masculinity. So masculinity is associated with aging and it's okay to age in a masculine view, whereas feminism is associated with youth. And so, and I'll never, I actually do believe that. Like I remember thinking when I was young and I was like, when I was in my twenties and like running on a treadmill and I remember being scared of aging and thinking, well, how, how do I stop it? Like, 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 and I remembered it was society's messages. It was society's messages that we should almost be embarrassed as we get older and about our age. And it's like, well, but we, we can't do anything about it. Like we're going to age. Like, so we're just supposed to like hide ourselves and go, what, go hide in a cave and die. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy what society has perpetuated. Um, Emrata talked about how, so, so this woman in this essay was saying older is not considered sexually attractive. And she's like, look, I want to look young too. She's like, I spend a ton of money on serum and retinol and all this stuff. And if you have money, you can look old, younger. She's like, you know, if you have money for Botox, if you have money for all this new technology that's coming out, you know, people in the past, she's like, I was looking at this, I was watching this movie from a while ago and she's like Catherine Zeta Jones was in it and she's like she looked she looked mature and she googled like how old she was in that movie and she's like oh my god she's like she was in her 30s she's like but she's like being in 30 now is very different from 30 you know 20 or 30 years ago she's like the technology is so much different and she's like and this is messed up she's like it's a class issue she's like poor people look older She's like, the poor, poorest people on earth are older women of color. She's like, race and class absolutely come into this. And so I, she kind of went off on a tangent here, but I think what she meant to do was bring up some really important topics that, that deal with age and class and, and economics and, you know, socioeconomics, you know, where, where people are. And that is true. I mean, look at Howard Stern. Howard Stern was always thought of as not attractive and as he's as he's gotten older and richer he looks good he got his teeth done he got his nose done you know he's he he looks great so it is true like you can buy hot right or at least again hot by society's standards and i think actually my friend shannon told me this that what society believes is beautiful really comes down to even features and balanced features. And really, if you think about it, that's kind of what a lot of this surgery does, right? It 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 creates more balanced features. Like when I'm going to get filler, it's because like one side of my face is drooping more than the other and I need to like bring it back into balance. Or the jowls on my chin are creating this like dip Whereas if it's, if you get a little filler there, it'll tighten up and make a straight line that just looks sleeker and more, I don't know, I think the human eye is attracted to clean lines. And so, so I, I think part of it is society's messages. And I think part of it, I I do think that what, 
my friend Shannon mentioned was true, that, that aesthetically the human eye is attracted to balance. Um, so, so then she started quoting from Susan Sontag again. She's like, it's also about what we expect women to be. She's like, masculinity is associated with confidence, self-control, autonomy, and that can, that is okay as you get older. Like that's associated with getting older and accepted. Whereas femininity is associated with not being competitive, passivity, incompetence, helplessness, being nice. And, and age does not, does not, you know, necessarily, you know, align with those things, right? Like as we age, we might get a little crankier because we're in pain. You know, we might um, not be, uh, you know, we've been through a lot. So we won't be trying to just people please all the time. I do remember thinking, or, or I do remember messaging when I was young that, that men want somebody to save, you know, they want to be able to, to, to help a woman. They, they like the meek, quiet female. It's like, ugh, make me freaking want to puke. Uh, but again, I, I, I see, I, you know, I understand what Emrod is saying or what this woman, woman, Susan Sontag is saying in this essay that it's, it's true. It is, it is what has been perpetuated that is changing. I do think that that is changing, uh, but, and we've made obviously a lot of strides, but it's still there. And now that we have TikTok, which, you know, creeps in and, and, and puts only what we like look up in our view, you know, apparently there's this whole, like Andrew Tate, who's the, the king of misogyny, who's literally in a Romanian jail right now for sex trafficking. But apparently he's influenced a ton of male youth that women belong in the kitchen. Women should be subservient to men. Women are, you know, just, you know, sex toys for men. It's, it's, it's honestly just hideous what this guy is perpetuating and what he's getting people to listen to and adhere to. And just reverting back to this old school way of thinking that's really detrimental to women's rights. And the fact that in America you know, Roe v. Wade was just overturned. And now there's a ton of states that are not allowing abortion. I mean, it's scary. You know, women have to be very diligent in pay attention to what's happening with laws and, and, you know, to protect our civil rights, essentially. So then um, Helen Garner said in her essay, how people talk to her, how she's disrespected. Oh, she's talking. So Helen Garner wrote an essay about, you know, her experience as she's aged and as she's getting less attention. Uh, she said, you know, she notices how people talk to her, how she's disrespected. She's like, you don't get that erotic gaze anymore from men. But she's like, the good thing about that is, you actually get to relax, you know, you don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to worry about, you know, attracting that gaze. And and sometimes that can be a relief. Um, you know, maybe this is actually liberating, you know, the ability to just exist. And so this is where Emirata starts kind of like talking. She, she almost sounds like she's trying to talk her, herself into these ideas. She's like, maybe this is actually liberating getting older. I don't have to care as much. Um, you know, I can just exist, you know, maybe we should tap into this. Uh, she's like, women might be better sexual partner. Oh, this is what this woman was saying. Uh, this Helen Garner, she said, you know, women might be better sexual partners in their thirties, 
but less desirable because they're not as passive, which is not typically associated with femininity. Again, I that's a, that's a little bit of a weird statement. I think she's talking about it from the the male view that wants a you know wants a passive woman and as we get older we become less passive because we become more sure of ourselves and we give less fucks and so women are just less passive and again not all men want that there are men that want women that are take charge men that have women that have careers i think more now more than ever Men do want women that bring something to the table, but there will be, of course, that old school, you know, sect of, of men that do want that passive subservient type of woman. Um, and again, who gives a shit about those people? We don't want them anyway. <laughs> Look, there's always going to be different types of people in this world. There's always going to be that. Like all over Fox News is about why aren't women having children? Why, you know, these women that don't want children, there's something wrong with them. It's like, a few. Um, so she's basically talking about like, what can we do to combat this? She's like, she's happy that she's 31. She said she's happy now that she's 31. She's like, the only times I feel insecure about my age is when she's talking to a guy and he says he's dating someone that's like 23 and Emrata suddenly realizes that there's much younger women in the dating pool. And she's like, oh, wow. She's like, oh, she's like, you're dating a 23 year old. And she's like, I suddenly feel protective towards that girl. I mean, to be honest, as she was saying this, I'm like, well, are you sure you're not worried that you're competing with the 23-year-old? Because I think, honestly, like, what I saw in the statement that she made was that Emrata didn't want to compete. And she suddenly, she's like, oh, my God, I'm the older woman now and I'm competing with these 23-year-olds. So I actually do think that that made her slightly insecure. And I think that um, I do, I, I think that I saw that in, in the statement. Uh, and also, she said, and also when I meet people and they're out and they're like, oh, my God, you're 31. Like, you should basically go die somewhere. And here's the thing. So Emrata is in Hollywood. She's in L.A. She's in these, like, hyper youth obsessed uh, industries. She's model, you know, and modeling, entertainment, Hollywood. It's so youth obsessed. And I mean, that's why I'm so glad I don't live in L.A. anymore. I think I think I was way more prone to be superficial in that environment and I think what Emrata is probably surrounded by is these asshole men that are that type that that just want to date the 20 or 23 year olds and probably make comments like ugh, ugh, that woman in her 30s or 40s is out like hey grandma like there are those asshole men that make comments about people that are aging and what that does is it makes you feel really insecure about yourself. Like, oh my God, do I belong here? Oh my God, do people think I'm old? Oh my God. Like, I'll, I'll never forget. And I talked about it on a past podcast, how I was down in San Diego, partying my ass off with this group of people. And some of them were these types of guys that just wanted like the t literally 21 year olds. Now I was like, I was probably 27, 28 at this time. And I was looked at as this older woman. And this this little gross guy was saying, oh, he only dates young girls. I'm like, gross. I'm like, what, 18-year-olds? But And that's not a guy I would ever, ever be interested in. I mean, 
even if, I mean, if he was a kind guy, like he, I mean, not attractive at all, but how dare he, you know what, how, not how dare he, to each his own. If, if that guy wants to go out with just young, young girls, as long as they're of eagle, eagle, legal age, more power to you, buddy. You're probably going to be old and alone someday with no partner because this is the mentality you have. And you're probably going to get cheated on or left by a younger woman someday. And that'll be your karma. Um, but, you know, I mean, I when I was in my bad relationship, that was when I was the most insecure about my age, about like looking older, about my ex who was super hot being around all these young women and he was going to leave me for somebody younger. And I mean, I was so insecure and so in my head, but a lot of it honestly had to do with the environments I was putting myself in, the relationship I was in. And, and just like, again, that, like that, that's that group of people I was hanging out with at the time. It's just, oh, I'm so glad I'm out of that situation now. But but I think I do think that that's why Emrod is like hyper aware of the stuff and and talking about it like this. Um, she's like everything about else about thirty one is great. She's like I have money. She's like I know who I am. I have more wisdom. She's like maybe that's another thing to embrace is wisdom. She's like what if we did embrace wrinkles? Uh, she's like you know Emrod, but she's like I Emrod is saying this. She's like I think that's a stretch. <laughs> she's like it's a stretch. In, the, in today's society, for women to embrace wrinkles. She's like, the beauty standards today are crazy. She's like, and, and with all the ways to maintain youth, uh, with all this new technology, it's, it's probably going to be a stretch. She's like, I'm not ashamed of saying, I don't want to look old. She's like, look at these guys, the Brad Pitts, the Leos, the Clooney. She's like, all these guys are considered sexy. She's like, everybody is scared of getting old. She's like, let's be honest. She's like, but we need to focus on wisdom, you know, appreciate the invisibility, not being sexualized, but finding new ways to feel sexual or connected to, to yourself that isn't tied to how you are a sexual being in the world. Okay, so this is where, this is where she lost me. But here's the thing. Again, Emrata, the first entry into the scene was her dancing around naked on, um, in a music video right? She's always been sexualized. She's always had men ogling her and wanting her. And she's had that erotic gaze. So I would imagine somebody whose whole, her, the millions of dollars she, she has are, is from looking beautiful and being a sexual object. So my opinion of what she's in this whole statement, 31 is great. I love being 31. I have more money. I have wisdom. She's talking herself into accepting her aging. And I relate to that. Like I used to do the same thing. It's like before I turned 30, I'm like, you know, I was when I was 28. I'm like, I'm almost 30. I'm almost 30. You know, kind of like getting my mind to accept it. I did the same thing when I was turning 40. I'm sure I'll do the same thing when I'm going to turn 50. I do think that that's a natural thing that women, at least vain women like me and like Emrata do, we, we just, you know, we're getting our, our mental capacity to accept it, to get used to it, to talk about it, to, and, and so, and she also has this extra level of, 
you know, maybe I don't have, like, I need to lean into the wisdom. I need to lean into visibility. I need to find other ways of loving myself when I'm not looked at as a sexual object. Now, she has a very, very long time ahead of her before she's not looked at as a sexual object. I mean, I'm in my 40s and, you know, you still get that in your 40s. So it's, it's you know, she's still going to get that. Um, but I think she's she's concerned about it. And I, I get it. Anybody that's been a model who's been paid for what they look like, it's got to be an extra level of stress. Um, so... She said, uh, you have to, you have this moment of loss, but then you find joy in other ways. So I think, and then she felt that when she was leaving her twenties, right? She's, she felt, she said, let me see the importance we place on primping, checking our appearance, the emphasis we place on other women's looks. She's like, it's crazy. She's like, I just don't see it changing with the zillions of dollars being pumped into the beauty industry. Um, and you know, I, I don't think, I don't know if I'll ever let myself go completely gray. I'll, I, I remember when my Nana did, I mean, my Nana stayed naturally brown haired for a long time. Um, but I, I mean, I was going gray in my twenties, so I've had to dye my hair for a very long time. I don't know. I don't know if I'll, I will. I'm sure at some point I will. Maybe when I'm in my seventies, eighties, I don't know. Um, you know, what about you? Would you, are, are any of you gray have you accepted it are you people you know all of you like my subscribers do you do botox do you do fillers like what is your opinion on this whole you know are women allowed to age um or have you know what what is your opinion on this ability to self-accept the aging process um i'm just curious she's like oddly enough so this is emrata she said oddly enough i felt older at 27 when I was like, oh no, my 20s are coming to an end. She's like, and now that I'm 31, I feel so young. She's like, I know that sounds weird, but I, I feel so young now. She's like, life is long. I'm like, I can still go out. I can still be tied to youth culture. She's like, I didn't appreciate it before and now I do. So that's her, again, talking to herself about, oh, it's okay. Like, I'm not in my 20s anymore, but, you know, but, but look how long I have. Like, I'm still, I still look like I'm 20. I still, like, I'm in, I'm 31, but look how much longer life is. And, you know, so she's, she's making herself feel okay about it, uh, through this podcast. She's like, um, she's like, now I don't give a shit about aging. She's like, now I, sometimes I think, what is it going to be like being a 50 year old woman or a 65 year old woman? She's like, I see women that are that age on the subway and they're just like wearing whatever. <laughs> so uh, anyway, who knows if people, I, I mean, I'm not in my 50s or 60s yet. I imagine, I mean, I, you know, the stuff that I, the way I go out of the house now, I probably would not have dared to do that in my, in my 20s. Like I was su such a people pleaser, society people pleaser back then. And I'm trying to get out of being that now. So I, I actually see what she's saying. I'm, there are, we do, as, as we age, we give less of a fuck because it, we, we learn what really matters in life, I think. And we start to care about more meaningful things in the world than just beauty and looks and all these superficial things. That's not to say that I still don't care about those things. I do. Um, but uh, but they just become a little bit less important. Um 
So I do think that I do think Emrata. So my summary of this episode is I do think Emrata is obsessed with with aging. Uh, I do think that she is, I mean, again, because she's in this youth obsessed culture where she lives, the industry she's in, I think it'll be very, very difficult for her to not care about these things. Uh, but I, I think it's, I think it's good that she's talking about it. I think these are fascinating topics. You know, I'm not, not just obsessed with dieting and food and all this fitness and all this stuff. I'm also obsessed with aging and being ageless and anti-aging. So, you know, I do relate to some of the messages that Emrata talks about. What I meant earlier, I don't know that she's as self-aware yet. I think you can, you through the way she talked, she, she, you, she could, she, you could hear some of the things that she was insecure about, whether she would call that out on herself or whether she's just not aware of it. You know, maybe, maybe that's the case, but Anyway, I do think that she is well-spoken. I like this podcast. I'm sure I'll do more reviews of it. Uh, and, you know, she's a super hot woman that it's natural to struggle with aging. I mean, I, I just I think that that is, um, you know, that is her her plight in life, if you will. But she's doing just fine, <laughs> you know, multimillionaire, supermodel who um, is also smart and well-spoken and has a podcast. So good for her. So yeah, so that's my episode today. Um, I will be doing, I was going to do a review on RIP diets where Emily talked about the Kardashians. I might do that next week or I might do that the week after. We shall see. Uh, But thank you all for subscribing. I love you all. Please tell your friends to subscribe. Um, please leave a review for this episode, uh, a review for the podcast. That means a lot. Just leave some stars, leave a comment. Um, follow me on Instagram at the diet obsessed podcast at veronica.santarelli. And until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.